Let's Face the Issues is a daily broadcast ministry of First Conservative Baptist Church with Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. Dr. Youngblood is also the founder, president of Conservative Theological University. Let's Face the Issues broadcast deals with real issues facing our culture today from a biblical perspective. God created three institutions, the home, government, and the church. Therefore, any issue that is harmful or has a negative impact on either of these institutions will be carefully dealt with and confronted from a biblical worldview. Too often, good people are afraid to confront serious issues that are attacking the church, the home, and Christians. We must stand against the enemies of the family and the church. Tune in each day for another broadcast of Let's Face the Issues with Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. Here is Dr. Youngblood with Let's Face the Issues. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mike Hill. I'm a former state representative sitting in for Dr. Gene A. Youngblood. I'm calling from Pensacola, Florida. And the reason I am hosting a show today, and it is my honor to host a show on behalf of Dr. Youngblood, is Dr. Youngblood's son is still in a hospital battling complications from COVID. Um, the times I have previously been on the show, I've asked you to please pray for Dr. Youngblood's son, who is Gene A. Youngblood Jr. Have asked you to pray for his son and for his family, and your prayers have been heard. Please continue to pray, saints, saints of the living God, continue to pray for Dr. Youngblood and his son. It was two weeks ago Sunday that the doctors told the family to come in and um, say their final goodbyes. And here we are um, two weeks later, and Dr. Youngblood's son is still holding on for life. So please continue to pray. Uh, God is faithful, and your prayers have been working. We have seen so many breakthroughs uh, because of your prayers. So please continue to pray for Dr. Youngblood and his son. Let's Face the Issues is brought to you in part by Tools for a Time. Tools for a Time is an outdoor dealership company specializing in turnkey business packages for individuals looking to own their own landscape or lawn care business. Tools for a Time also has a full line of hurricane preparedness equipment, including Honda and Echo generators. Tools for a Time staff can answer all of your homeowner and professional and backup power equipment questions. They're located at 11291 Old St. Augustine Road, near the intersection of Old St. Augustine Road and I-295, right at the base of the gigantic 165-foot flagpole with Old Glory flying 24-7. You can reach them online at toolsforatime.com. That's toolsforatime.com. Ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Mike Hill sitting in for Dr. Gina Youngblood. I'm calling from Pensacola, Florida. I'm a former state uh, representative from Florida representing um, District 1 and at one time District 2. So I've been elected um, to two adjacent districts uh, here in the Panhandle. Um, I'm a small business owner. I own an insurance agency and offer insurance and financial products. Been doing that 31 years now. Before that, I was 
an active duty Air Force officer, served 10 years in the Air Force after graduating from the Air Force Academy in 1980. And it is utterly amazing to me that we are going to be celebrating our 40th anniversary, our 40th reunion of graduating from the Air Force Academy. We were supposed to do it last year, but because of COVID, it was delayed until this year. So here we are, 40 years later, getting ready to celebrate our reunion, and it is utterly amazing to me how quickly those 40 years went by. Well, I also just recently was out in Colorado Springs with an organization that I belong to called Council for National Policy. It was truly an outstanding conference that we had over the weekend where many conservative patriots from all over the nation met in Colorado Springs. The attendance was probably um, between 300 and 350 attendees who were there. Um, and we had speakers from all over who addressed us also, um, speaking about many different topics and things that are pertinent. But what I liked about it the most was that whenever we discussed an issue you know, of, of the Biden regime and how terribly they are performing, we are also given action steps on what to do to combat what they are doing. And uh, it all boils down to making sure you understand and are firm in what is the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Once you get your foundation based on that truth, then you can be firm in your stand on whatever you do. You have your feet planted on a rock, a rock that is higher than I, a sure foundation. And that is what I liked about that um, Council for National Policy. It is all based on the truth of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, you can be emboldened. You can be sure. You can be firm in your convictions because you know you do stand on the truth. And whenever you're confronted by someone who either does not know or was denying the truth, you know that you can overcome them because the truth always prevails. Let's, we're going to talk about a number of issues today. Um, of course, we have to talk about COVID because the, the press and the Biden regime is trying still trying to make that such an issue for us, even though it doesn't need to be. It is nothing more than a, it, it is real. Now, let me say that the COVID-19 is a real virus and it has um, caused sickness and death in a number of people. However, it is no more deadly than the common flu that we see every year, but they have used it as a bludgeoning tool against us to shut down our economy, to wreak havoc on our economy, to close businesses permanently, to uh, force our children in our schools to uh, wear masks, and, and now they're trying to force vaccines upon even our children. Um, don't do it, ladies and gentlemen. Do not take this experimental vaccine. Your body has a natural immunity to COVID-19. Now, there are some who do succumb to it. We know that, um, particularly the elderly and those who have comorbidities. 
but over 99% of most people recover from this uh, virus and build up their own natural immunity to it and do not need this vaccine, which is experimental and has been demonstrated already to cause um, adverse reactions in the hundreds of thousands already and deaths. We have seen more deaths from the vaccine uh, in the past year than we have seen of all other vaccines combined over the past 20 years. When the first number of those dying from this vaccine began to happen, that should have been a pause right there. Other vaccines which have caused deaths were pulled immediately after a small number, as many as um, 15 or 50 have been uh, occurring, then they will pull the vaccine. This vaccine has already uh, contributed over 15,000 deaths in the United States alone, and they are still pushing this vaccine, and they're trying to push it down at even younger and younger ages. First, they approved it for ages 16 and over. Now, Pfizer is trying to get it approved for those ages 5 to 16, which is crazy. There is no way, no way I would give this to my child. And right now I have grandchildren and I'm going to strongly encourage my children to not give it to their grandchildren, who by the way, none of my children have been vaccinated and I have not either. In fact, I haven't received a shot for anything since I left the military in 1990 when they uh, mandated or ordered us to get the flu shot uh, annually. But since I left there, I have not gotten a vaccine. Let me step back for a minute and, and say I did one time when I went on a two-week mission trip to India. I was told by the team that was going that we should get a polio shot. And I went and got a polio shot for that trip only. But other than that, I have not received any kind of vaccine or shot um, since 1990. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to call in and join the conversation, the number is 904-831-0917. 904-831-0917. So we're going to talk about the, uh, the, the COVID vaccine. We're also going to talk about um, the recent uh, vote that was taken on abortion in, in the U.S. Congress. Um, utterly insane how the Democrats are lockstep in wanting to um, have this culture of death forced upon our society. Then we're going to talk about uh, the very obvious and failing weak and feckless leadership that Biden is causing and creating a series of disasters which are hurting us. Then we're going to talk about the truth behind the Texas bridge migrants and the Haitians who are there. By the way, most of them are gone now, and a lot of them have been moved to places within the United States. Um, some have been returned, but only a small fraction of the total number that was there. We're also going to talk about how Congress is, uh, and these are Republicans and Democrats, are back to uh, these earmarks where they are trying to uh, bring home the bacon. And what they are actually doing is stealing from you, ladies and gentlemen, and giving it to lobbyists and to their, their cronies 
in order to stay in office. If we have time, we're going to talk about how Congress has voted for this red flag law. This is gun confiscation and completely unconstitutional. Utterly amazing the times we are living in right now, ladies and gentlemen. But let's start off with this, uh, this, this whole COVID thing. Right now, public officials say, trust us, but the data says otherwise. I'm going to be reading from an article in the Mises Institute, uh, a conservative organization out of Auburn, Alabama. And this is an article written by Anthony Rosmaj, who is ta reading, uh, talking about how public health officials say, trust us concerning um, the COVID issue, but the data says otherwise. Here's how the article begins. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Ben Shapiro, but feelings trump facts when it comes to COVID-19. This is thanks entirely to the love triangle forged between the corporate press, government officials, and tech giants whose sinister and divisive campaign of fear and censorship spawned a reaction so virulent that society was upended in a matter of weeks for a virus with a 99% plus survival rate. Okay, as a little aside here, note that what this author is saying, and I agree with completely, that there was this triangle of government press, government, corporate press, I'm sorry, government officials and tech giants who formed this triangle of creating a culture of fear, a culture of fear, which at first, I believe this, they used as a tool to hurt President Trump when he was in office. They saw it as, at that time, our economy was booming. And they saw it as an opportunity to hurt our economy and therefore hurt President Trump's um, chances for re-election. Of course, that didn't work um, because the uh, uh, American populace was completely behind President Trump. And so they discovered that they had to cheat in order to win. And they did just that. Um, their election fraud was widespread, it was uh, massive, and it was at a point where um, they didn't care if we knew they were cheating. And we're seeing evidence of that now coming out of Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, other states where the cheating was widespread, it was brazen, and it was blatant. Now, back to the article. In no time whatsoever, sacrificing, sacrificing for and preserving public health, costs be thrown out the window, became the chief end of mankind. Relegating oneself to a life of unquestioned submission to lockdowns and mass mandates became the greatest calling one could fulfill, at least until the vaccine arrived. As our most fundamental human rights were stripped away, did any president, prime minister, governor, or mayor suggest that maybe the people have a vote to determine whether or not every aspect of their lives should be subject to manipulation on a daily basis? Of course not. As it turns out, your sacred right to vote may only be exercised so long as a ruling class permits. It appears that our job our only job in times of emergency is to wait for marching orders from those with political power. 
That does not sound like the United States of America, ladies and gentlemen. We are living in a constitutional republic which says that we, the people, are on top and that government is at the bottom. We control the government. That is what our Constitution states. That's how it was laid out. That is what made this nation so great and so prosperous. But instead, we have government officials who have gotten in to office. And by the way, we were the ones who voted them into office. So we have no one to blame but ourselves. They are in office right now and are, and are determining exactly what your actions are going to be where you can uh, go to eat, when and where you can go exercise if you want, to receive your entertainment, going to school, um, and, and, and determining whether or not you can even leave your home. The lockdowns were completely unconstitutional. They were completely going against our God-given rights of life, liberty, and property that instead they usurped their authority, exerted themselves upon us to exactly what we are to behave. And they did that, I believe, in the beginning as a way to uh, hurt President Trump. And then when they saw so many Americans comply, which by the way, I have to admit, ladies and gentlemen, utterly surprised me. I, I would not believe that in the United States of America, so many people would just simply roll over and do what they were told um, by government officials who were elected and were supposed to be there to protect their rights, not to strip them of it. Remember that when election time comes up again next year of where your representative, your congressman, uh, 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 representative and Senator, where they stood on this entire issue. And we're going to get to another issue, too, that we're going to talk about, where they stand on this uh, uh, confiscating your right to bear arms. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to join the conversation, you can call in at 904-831-0917. Okay, I'm going to get back to the article. This is an article from the Mises Institute written by Anthony Rosmage. It goes on to say, what many should have come to realize over this past year and a half are two lamentable impulses of the average person. Number one, the trained instinct learned primarily in government schools to revere and please those in positions of perceived authority, and two, the desire for safety over liberty. Fused with modernity's cushy standards of living, these two traits enabled a series of effortless goalpost shifts starting from, we're all in this together, to three jabs or weekly testing, else you and your family can starve. Mind you, anybody who predicted far less draconian policies in the early stages of the pandemic was promptly labeled a conspiracy theorist. He is absolutely right. First of all, people have been trained by these government schools that we go to is to obey, comply, and do what those in authority tell you to do. And also to desire safety over liberty. We have raised 
two generations now of Americans in our government schools who will comply with what government tells them to do. Utterly amazing. And just as an aside, um, I'm going to join uh, my folks, my friends at the John Birch Society and encourage you, get your children out of government public schools as quickly as you can. Instead, homeschool them. Get them into private Christian schools. Um, do internet uh, uh, schooling. If that was one thing that was exposed during this whole uh, COVID-19 debacle, is how poorly our children are being trained in our schools and what they are being taught. We are seeing this phenomenon of parents rising up all over the U.S. because they are seeing what their children are being taught in this school, including pornography, and they are not having it. Parents rise up, continue to show up at these school board meetings, hold these school board um, members accountable, these superintendents accountable. And as I say, as soon as you can, pull your children out of these public schools. They are damaging not only your children, they are damaging our society. And it's time we took our school system back. Okay, now, back to the article. At their core, these pandemic schemes, lockdowns, curfews, capacity restrictions, vaccine mandates, and more, relied heavily on a blind trust in a ruling elite's public health pronouncements and our desire to behave in a socially approved, conflict-free manner. But as it turns out, all of the big picture COVID data from the past 18 months regarding lockdowns and vaccine uptake thoroughly implicate the ruling elite. He is 100% correct on that. I agree with him explicitly. Those officials are saying to trust us. Now, what we need to do instead is look at the data. The COVID-19 data we need to accept. And this is what the article says. There is zero, repeat, zero meaningful correlation between lockdown strength and COVID-19 outcomes. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? There is zero meaningful correlation between lockdown strength and COVID-19 outcomes. In other words, just because um, a society, a community has been locked down, that has not prevented the COVID virus from spreading to other people. Just like um, other um, uh, flus season that have come, it goes through the society, people build up a, a herd immunity to it, and it moves on. So there has not been any correlation. And we're seeing in other nations around the world, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, where they are getting away from complete lockdowns, opening up their society completely because they are seeing how ineffective that they were and how much it was hurting not only the economy, but people's lives, their daily lives. Now back to the article. Prior to the 2020 lockdowns, they had never been recommended as a public health response. That means lockdowns. They had never been uh, recommended as a public health response, even for severe respiratory outbreaks. However, with a little bit of media-induced panic, 
social pressure, pressure and a theistic reverence for, for computer modeling, it was quickly accepted that these historically and scientifically unprecedented public health measures saved lives. In turn, it was simply agreed that more stringent lockdowns would be more effective than weaker lockdowns. All costs and moral arguments aside, heavy skepticism toward lockdowns was justified as early as April 2020, when it was shown that a region's time of lockdown made no impact on its, on its death toll. And that is exactly right, ladies and gentlemen. We were finding that areas that had heavy lockdowns and areas that did not, that there was not that much of variance between those who were coming down with COVID. We saw that with New York and uh, uh, Florida, for example. Florida did do a lockdown, and we were in a lockdown for about six months. And then finally, um, Governor DeSantis came to his senses and pulled us out of the lockdown after we went through phases one, two, and three. We finally came out of the lockdown, and we found that by opening back up our economy, that people were able to get back to work, even though the damage had already been done. Um, restaurants and other businesses have closed permanently because of that lockdown. But you compare Florida with New York, which remained in their lockdown much longer and uh, much more draconian measures than Florida did, and we did not see a, a difference, a, a measurable difference in the number of COVID cases and deaths that were happening in between those two states. Here's New York, who had a much more severe and draconian lockdown, and they were having just as many COVID cases and deaths as Florida was. The media was trying to portray that Florida was having a much worse outbreak, but that's not true. The data was not showing that at all. The data instead was showing that uh, lockdowns did not work. In fact, we saw in South Dakota, which uh, uh, did not lock down at all, remained completely open the entire time. And we did not see a, uh, a huge spike or increase in the COVID cases in that state. Instead, we saw that it was pretty much in line per capita with what was happening in other places, if not even having lower numbers. So it is um, uh, apparent that just simply listening to the experts like Fauci and listening to the press, which will lie to you daily, that the data did not correspond to what they were trying to tell us. The data was showing us otherwise, that the lockdowns did not work. Pretty soon we're going to be coming up to the break at the top of the hour, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to continue this discussion, but I want to leave you with this before our break, that Vanderbilt University Medical Center says technology it developed has led to the discovery of ultra-potent monoclonal antibody against COVID-19 and variants, including Delta. Did you get that, ladies? There is hope. Vanderbilt University Medical Center has developed um, a, a technology that has an antibody against COVID-19 and its variants. 
VUMC made the announcement Wednesday, saying that the antibody can neutralize against SARS-CoV-2, the virus behind COVID-19. The research was published in Cell Reports earlier this month. Have you heard about this, ladies and gentlemen? Have you heard about this development in technology where they discovered an antibody against COVID-19 and its variants? We're going to be taking a break at the top of the hour. This is Mike Hill. If you want to join the conversation, call in at 904-831-0917. I'm sitting in on Dr. for Dr. Gene A. Youngblood on Face the Issues. Don't change your channel, ladies and gentlemen. Come back right after our break at the top of the hour. We're going to continue with this uh, uh, technology that Vanderbilt University Medical Center has discovered to uh, which is an antibody against COVID-19 and its variants. We're going to continue that and many more. Stay with us, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back right after the break. This is Let's Face the Issues with Dr. Gene A. Youngblood from First Conservative Baptist Church and Conservative Theological University in Jacksonville, Florida. To learn more, visit conservative.edu. 